Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, and joining me today is Cleveland State head coach, Hannah Barant. Hannah, how's it going? Great, Coleman. How are you? doing pretty good no no complaints today aside from the fact that I'm stuck at my house and haven't had pancakes on the road in months but have you had pancakes I had pancakes once (laughs) during quarantine I highly recommend eating your pancakes in the middle of the street and then you've had them on the road (laughs) (laughs) touche I'm gonna have to do that next time that should be your next podcast. I don't know if you get like, I don't know if you need Wi-Fi or what you need to be able to do, but like set out cones and everything. Like don't let people down your street. Be like, hold up. I got to have my pancakes on the road. You don't understand. Road close. The swimming community needs this. Road close. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I haven't thought to eat pancakes on the park. Podcast and pancakes. Oh my gosh. Outside the box thinking, man, trademark that Hannah Brandt right here. <laughs> so... So obviously, if you if you know nothing about Hannah Barant, now you know she's uh, she thinks outside the box. She, <laughs> yes. She's got creative ideas. Um, so I was actually uh, recommended to reach out to you by Anna at Arizona. Um, she's like she's got a really cool perspective. So I'm I'm excited to sit down, get to know you a little more. Um, let's let's start from from the beginning. Um, tell me yeah. about tell me about your swimming roots. How did you get into the sport? How did I get into the sport? So we want to go way back when. So my uh, my brother is five years older than me, and we we were born in Denver, Colorado, and moved to Ohio. And my brother had all this energy and hated the move. I mean, my brother blames everything wrong on life and moving from Denver to Cleveland. Um, but so my parents put him in like legit double swim lessons and swim team and all these different things for him to burn energy and meet people. And so I started swim lessons myself when I was like five years old. Cause my mom's like, I'm not putting on a swimsuit. You got to know how to do this. <laughs> and, um, so I was, you know, being dragged around to everything just as, as, you know, being five years younger. And my brother was on a rec swim team and the coach said, Hey, we need eight and unders. And she swim. Could she make it across the, uh, across the pool. And I was like, yeah, you know, she's in swimming lessons. She can make it across. And, uh, <laughs> So I joined a rec team when I was like five and you know, that's history. Nice. Um, so give me, give me a couple highlights from, uh, from your 18 and under career. What were, what were some of your best memories, um, uh, through, through middle school, high school, summer league, whatever. Best memories. I mean, so I started swimming like rec swimming and I didn't start USA swimming until I was about fifth grade. And I remember joining, my first club team. And I remember my first practice and getting in the car and like, mom, that was so much. And so, you know, I, while I started young, things didn't quite get serious for me initially because I started, I mean, I think I started piano before I could walk. So I was in music. Um, I, I played piano at a very young age. I started clarinet in fourth grade. Um, 
and you know I did the whole figure skating t-ball I played volleyball in middle school um, and so swimming really didn't start getting seriously through, you know, middle school. And then especially in high school, everything else really kind of dropped at least sport wise. Um, but I still like, even in high school, um, my private music lessons were an hour long every Monday, um, from three, wait, what was it like three to four? So I didn't get to swim practice until four thirty. Um, and that was just, that was a commitment that I'd done since I was like 10 years old. So, um, you know, I, I juggled a lot of different things, but my favorite memories were always people, you know, like when we, we went to the zone meet and here I am as this little girl, like leading the entire zoo, the entire, you know, Lake Erie zone team up and down the pool in these different, um, like team cheers. So like, I always got, um, like the sportsman award or the, the team spirit award, um, I remember turning 13 in North Dakota at zones and being like, I get to swim as an 11, 12 year old. Yes. But I did slip off the block and I got second, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, so my memories are, they're, they're driven and connected by, you know, the fun memories of a friend eating M&Ms and us all thinking that M&Ms is what made us fast at a swim meet and playing cards and playing, like I was telling my nephew, because my nephew loves his little iPad and you know, trying to teach them different games of like, we would play speed and, and BS and we would play Euchre and all these different games at swim meets. And I remember Harry Potter coming out and everybody thinking like, there must be something evil because kids are reading books at swim meets, you know, it's pre cell phones at swim meets, you know, so you were really engaged and I'm trying to find time of things to do between events. And, um, so I was always the kid that was friends with everybody. Um, and even in high school, and um, so my favorite memories are just the moments with my teammates. But then when I got into high school, so I went to Parma High School, and, and uh, I was really the only real swimmer at my high school. I think I had every single school record except for the 100 breaststroke and diving. But I couldn't dive. And I did grow up as a diver as well, but my high school coach is like, I'm not risking you hurting yourself just so you can get a record. So that way you and your brother can have the same record. Mm -hmm. um, so my brother was the diver who could swim and I was the swimmer who could dive. Mm -hmm. And, um, but in high school, especially my favorite memories are with my high school swim coach. You know, I swam in a lane by myself all through high school and the memories that I have, um, with my high school coach are, you know, especially if you talk about like that, that, that high school range, it's my high school coach and my club coach are really more of the, the memories. So I can't give you any specifics. I just rambled. Sorry. That's fine. You, I mean, you gave some specifics. You swam in a lane by yourself in high school. For four, yeah. For four years. Yep. With, cause, cause you were the fastest on the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no one else could keep up with you. No. And people would complain about it. And Mark would be like, you want to get lapped? Go for it. Hop in Hammond Lane. And so my high school pool is actually a short course meters pool. Mm -hmm. And um, so sometimes people would come in my lane for warm up and then slide down. But I had to have like, I had to have my own intervals and I had to have um, all of that. So yeah, I was in a lane by myself for four years. And every now and then, you know, one of the guys could keep up. Um, but not really. <laughs> uh, so what, how, how, what, what did your training look like? What, what events were you competing in? Uh, so I was a middle distance freestyler. I thought I was a sprinter in high school. 
Um, so my, my bread and butter. I think we all did. The, oh yeah, we all did. But I was a hunter, 200 freestyler. I mean, I didn't even touch the 500 ever until my freshman year of high school for the first time in my, in my personal swimming career. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 100 and 200 were my bread and butter. But in high school, you know, Mark, my, Mark Vandervoort, my high school coach, be like, all right, Hannah, you're swimming against the uh, district breaststroker and your team's never seen you lose. So you're swimming the high breaststroke. I'm like, okay, cool. And I just had in high school, I had this cutthroat, like competitiveness. And I would tell myself, I'm like, you never know who you're up against. You just, you've got to go for it. And I never took a race for granted when I was in high school. And I, and I remember, um, even in high school, like at our conference meet, swimming the hunter butterfly, because that's where we could score points. And I remember getting to districts and well, at conference, it was this like dog out race with Katie Beck, who's, who's, uh, she ended up swimming at Purdue. And I ended up beating her by like a hundredth of a second. It was like a dog out race, underwater, like everything. And I finished and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was such a fun race. And she was so irritated that I beat her. <laughs> and we get to districts and I'm swimming the 100 and 200 freestyle and her teammates come over to me and we're like, what the heck? You don't even swim butterfly? I'm like, no, that's not my event. Oh. <laughs> and uh but then that next year we ended up being on the same club team and she walked in she's like you I'm like hi <laughs> and then I went to go embarrass her when we were in college too so uh but yeah I I swam everything in high school but my my bread and butter was the 100 and 200 free and I remember going to my my coaching career started at TPSC so the total performance swim camps at Kenyon I went to their swim camp between my junior and senior year of high school and I went to the sprint camp and, you know, with coach Dean and doing all the different analyses that he does with the power rack. And he had this machine that like you literally just hold on a streamline and it pulls you across the pool. And, um, but my favorite one was where you sprint out and then like where you get stuck, hold on to the lane line, go another meter out. And then I, I can't remember how long you swim, but you would track your progression every like five seconds and it was literally testing your fatigue rate and you'd get a chart on your natural fatigue rate. And coach Dean looked at me, he's like, Hannah Brandt, what are you doing at my sprint camp? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're not a sprinter. I'm like, yeah, I am. I do the 102 and I like the 50. And he goes, Hannah, mark my words, you're going to be a 500 during college. I'm like, wash your mouth, that was soap. And, well, lo and behold, 500 free became pretty much my bread and butter. And um, so <laughs> I did. I became a very cookie-cutter middle-distance freestyler in college. <laughs> so that, that perfect segue, um, you, you ended up, you swam for Peter Lynn, right, at Eastern mm-hmm. Michigan? Um, yeah, I was a part of his first recruit class. So he had taken over the women's program my senior year of high school, so 0405. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my class was the first, his first recruited class at Eastern Michigan. And we won the MAC conference my freshman and sophomore year and uh, gotten close since, but not quite, not quite there. So Yeah. And those, those were the first two MAC titles for the women's program, right? The only two. Yeah. Only. The first and only. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So what, what drew you to Eastern Michigan to swim for Peter? And, uh, what do you feel? I mean, did you see yourself after that becoming a coach? So, um, 
I bounced around club teams when I was a little kid for a couple different reasons. You know, a, a club team would fold because finances or, I mean, when I was really little, I dealt with some bullies when I was a little kid and, and left a team because of that. But, um, you know, I just, I didn't want to do the college search process. I'm not going to lie. Like I wanted to be an ostrich and I wanted to hide and I didn't want to do it because of just having been on so many different teams for so many different reasons. And I was like, if I can't find home until my sophomore year of, of high school, when I joined USC, how the heck am I going to do this college search? And so, um, you know, I, I remember going on a, I went on one recruit trip. Um, and that was like Halloween weekend, my senior year of high school, um, one official recruit trip. And I remember going and I was sitting in the stands and I guess coach Lynn, we both remember the story slightly different, but the way I remember it is I then got a call from him the following week. And, um, basically we started talking. We talked the same day, every week, same time on the landlines. I'm sitting there in the kitchen with, with, you know, the phone and my mom's like, Hannah, you got to do your calc homework. Like get off the phone. You've been on the phone with that man for like two hours now. Get off. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, I, there are a couple bad instances of recruiting, when I was in high school, I have stuck with me of being kind of like threatened or manipulated and um, some tactics that I know we're still used today. Um, but with Coach Lynn, he just every week we would talk and I took an unofficial visit up and took the, the presidential scholarship test. Um, it's like an academic test that you take. So that was my visit was going up. My dad and I went up and we stayed at like a... Um, I don't know what it was called. I guess what would be like an Airbnb. Um, but I loved it. You know, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and so that I wanted to go to Kenyon originally, like Kenyon was my dream. I wanted to swim for coach Dean. I loved Kenyon's campus. I wanted to be a lady. Purple is my favorite color. And I just, I wanted to go, but I couldn't study math. And you know, the economy was not doing too hot back then. And my mom's like, Hannah, like you can't go and get, you know, a degree in math and become a teacher. Like you're going to have to get your master's and you're not going to be able to get a job. Right. And my uncle is, my uncle is brilliant. And so we have some lineage with, um, with, I think it was Yale. And so I remember Yale calling and my mom's like, Hannah, you want to be a school teacher. These two things don't match. Like, yes, you could go to Yale, but like, come on, seriously. Like if you wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer, that'd be a different story. So a lot of the driving force was what I wanted to do in education, which was be a teacher. And for me, the biggest part was finding the right fit and finding the right coach. And Coach Lynn and I connected just at this level that we still have this connection to this day. Um, and it was pretty simple. It was the best education, the best relationship with the college coach. And I knew I could get along with a brick wall. Um, so I knew that if I liked the coach and believed in what the coach did, that the team would take care of itself. So it was really the perfect fit. And I remember telling Coach Steen, I was like, you know, Coach, I can't come swim for you. I can't get my education in an education. And, and I don't want to do Teach for America. That just scares me. I don't want to have control over where I go and live. And he goes, well, where are you looking and how can I help? You know, obviously I'm D3, so I can't give you scholarship money, but are you getting enough of what you're worth kind of thing? And when I told him I was looking at Eastern Michigan, he's like, perfect. You know, so it's my process was pretty darn simple. Um, so I kind of got lucky, but I guess by being an ostrich, you know, I really, that relationship that I built with Coach Lynn, I got cold feet actually, because uh, I swam pretty fast at States and I got a call from somebody being like, 
Hannah, like we saw how you did at States. I'm like, can you come to a visit? Like we're really interested in you. And I got scared. I got cold feet because then they're like, well, how do you know that you got the best fit? You know, like, have you uncovered every stone? And uh, I called Coach Lynn. He was at NCAAs. The man walked off the pool deck. I was like, hey, Dan, like, you know your warm-up. I'll be back to pace you for the mile. Like, and he walked off the pool deck. I was like, you know what's going on? Like, what matters to you? And I'm like, education and fit and relationship. And he's like, but Hannah, I've known your potential since we started. Like, I've seen you as a person. These people see you as a time. And I'm like, oh, you're right. And I, like, was so scared. You know, I'm like, what if I get this decision wrong? And just in that moment of his reassurance, he's like, this is my coach. This is, this is my person. So, um, and that honestly, uh, Coleman has shaped just even how I am now many years later as a college coach that I made that vow to never, to never forget that feeling, you know? Um, so I'm pretty darn thankful and lucky. I'm an honorary lady. Like coach Dean will tell you I'm an honorary lady. (laughs) Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's how I got to Eastern Michigan. And it was the perfect fit for me. And just listening to that story, I was, I was thinking the same thing of, wow, what a, what, what a great tale and what a great journey of finding your perfect fit. And I'm sure that has mm-hmm. to, you know, come in somewhere in your coaching style as well, which uh, oh, absolutely. let's get to that in a little bit. So, so you wanted to become a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. tell, tell me how you ended up in coaching. Well, I graduated in 2009, so I was a four and a halfer. Um, so I was math, math and health education to me. The two most important topics that you need to learn are math and health. Um, and so I graduated in 09 in December, and I was lucky enough. I had uh, I was keeping my eye on the job market, and I saw a long-term su- substitute position open up in Ohio. And I um, applied, I, came, I drove down and interviewed, and so I actually had a job when I graduated, um, started right off in January as a long-term substitute, so a three-month, peti- uh, three-month position. Um, so I did long-term substituting for a year and a half um, in all different kinds of math classes, from seventh grade math all the way to AP Calc, and it was really cool because you know, I do a three month position and then I made up an evaluation, my own evaluation that I had the kids do and got amazing feedback on, on teaching and did that for a year and a half, but I couldn't get a teaching job. Um, that summer I applied for a hundred different teaching positions and didn't get any of them because they were all in hiring freezes. So I was at Brexville Broadview Heights high school at the time I was coaching, uh, coaching the high school team too. And I was at the state meet and coach Dean was there and he's like, Hey Hannah, come, come work my swim camp. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I would love that. So that summer I worked his swim camp and that's where I saw North Thornton and I'm like, Oh my God, North Thornton is brilliant. He's creative. He's passionate. Like he's the one that came up with this whole, let's add a dolphin fix the breaststroke pullout. And I was like, wow, like what teachers do I know that are this passionate? Right. And I met Tony Lisa. So Tony Lisa was in the lane next to me. He coached at Rowan College, and he is the CSCAA has the mentorship program now that's named after him. He never swam, ever, ever. And he was in the lane next to me, and I still have the email from him after that summer um, about just, like, what makes a great coach and what he saw in me as a young, you know, I was only 22, 23 at the time. And so after that swim camp, uh, coach Dean was like, Hey, can I put your name out in the coaching world? I'm like, sure. And I'm like, 
Okay. So again, that's the summer I was applying to 100 teaching jobs. And I got two phone calls on the same day from two division three schools asking me to interview. Um, and the one was like, Hey, we'll fly you out. What's your schedule? I'm like, what? And so I called coach Dean and he's like, yeah, I put your name out there. And I called coach Lynn. I'm like, coach, can I be a college coach? I'm 23. <laughs> like I thought I'd be a high school math teacher and a high school coach and maybe be like you and one day get into college coaching. And he's like, yeah, coaching is teaching. It's just, you get to be a lot more loud. <laughs> and so I ended up at Oberlin college and that was 2011 to 2013. And that kind of started my coaching history. And so Oberlin small division three school, Jerry of Ben and Jerry got his chemistry degree there. Um, so right. amazing school division three, small liberal arts, like those are the kids that are going to change the world and make the world a better place. My OBs are, they're doctors, lawyers, they run political campaigns, they're artists, they're farmers, they're just amazing people. And uh, I learned a lot in those first two years and Coach Dean really, I would commute down to Kenyon um, and we would work on the database for the swim camp and also in how to develop a, a database for um, college recruiting. So I was getting like recruiting 101 from Coach Dean and I'm like, hey coach, like I feel stuck. Like after two years. I was like, I just I feel stuck. I'm not learning, I'm not growing. I feel like I've given everything I can already. Like I don't like this feeling. What do I do next? And he's like, go to Louisville. You gotta go work for Arthur. And you know, he was my coach back at Kenyon and he's the most up-and-coming coach. And you know, if you can't go to Louisville, I'd say I'd say go coach with Matt at, at Tennessee. Um, and so I applied to both grad programs and at the time, Matt didn't have a volunteer position. I don't even know if he remembers this, actually. And I just talked to him like last month. But I, uh, I applied to grad school in Arthur and um, Coach Dean was like, get your master's degree in whatever you want, but you're going to get two. You're going to get your master's in whatever you get, and you're going to get your master's in Arthur Albiero Global Swimming, which is kind of like Kenyan swimming, too. So that's what I did. So I went and I figured, you know, if, and just watching coaches, like, where people are going to struggle, it's not in the X's and O's of swimming. People love swimming. They love to talk shop. But where they struggle is the administration side. And so I got my master's in support administration because I'm like, hey, if I ever got to have a budget, I don't want to mess that up. Um, so I, I loved my master's degree at Louisville. I was a graduate assistant for the program. So I taught, I taught a couple different classes in the sport administration program. Uh, as a grad assistant. And then I was a full-time volunteer. So I was in, in class that first semester, I took 15 credit hours. I was teaching 20 hours a week and coaching 20 hours a week. So it was like full time sponge. <laughs> and I'd like yeah. walk over to Vlad and I'm like, Hey Vlad, why do you say this? Like, what do you see in like Carlos's breaststroke, Carlos Almeida versus Cameron Chastain's? Like, why are you doing this with Tomas or, you know, with, with looking at like Kelsey Wara, Kelsey and Audalia um, or Tanya Killian and like watching these two different butterflies and like watching what they did and how they trained. And I mean, Joao DeLuca was still there. And, you know, so I would just like march around and ask the different coaches, you know, why are you doing this? Why did you say that? What do you see here? And Arthur, like I was in the family. Like once I got the blessing from coach Dean, um, I was in the family. So like any recruiting meeting, any team meeting, staff meeting, like I traveled, I went to everything. Um, and so like, especially like when they went to, when all the coaches went to NCAAs, I ran the pro group and it was like, just this crash course in swimming. And I still have notebooks from it and reflections and stuff like that. And that's where I met Ryan because Ryan was still at Louisville at the time. And, um, 
So Rachel was leaving for um, OU at the time and, you know, just having these discussions on why do you be a volunteer coach, right? And um, a couple different D1 coaches were reaching out to Arthur and Arthur's like, all right, Hannah, here's, here's some places that I've recommended you for. And my family was like, but you just started your master's degree. Like, can, can you leave? Can you jump? Are you going to be viewed as a jumper? I'm like, mom, I'm here as a volunteer. Like, you know, the, when the doors open, you kind of got to go. So I, um, I went to Georgetown and coached for Jamie Holder, who, um, RIP to Dartmouth swimming right now. Um, he's, he's at Dartmouth and, um, just kind of connected with him some this week, but went out to Georgetown, lived in our nation's capital and, rode the subway for the first time and coached at, at Georgetown in the, in the Big East, which was really super cool. Um, and the whole idea there was, and in working with my professors, they're like, dude, this is sports. You go, you go when you get a job. Like we will figure out how to finish this degree. And uh, so at Georgetown, if you work a year, you get your schooling for free. I'm like, dude, I could get a Georgetown degree. That'd be pretty cool. Well, then the phone rang and it was Ryan. <laughs> And I was actually back home in Cleveland for a teammate's wedding, and my dad had slammed my hand in the car door, so I'm sitting on the couch with an ice pack, and I didn't know how to spell Ryan's last name, so I just had him in my phone as Ryan W. And I'm like, why the heck is Ryan W. calling me? And my mom's like, who's Ryan W.? I'm like, the guy from Louisville, one of the assistants at Louisville. And I answer, like, Hello? And he's like, hey, like, it's, it's not public knowledge yet, but I'm, I'm going down to Houston, and I'd like you to come with me. I'm like, uh, like, I was in pain, and I didn't want to have this conversation. And I had just, you know, gotten settled and was going to sign a new lease and all these different things. I'm like, honestly, I totally brushed, I brushed him off. And uh, we were having issues with captains. And um, so I called Arthur. I was like, Arthur, like, can I ask you a couple questions on your leadership and captains? And he's like, hold up. Yeah, what are you doing? Why did you brush off Ryan? I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot about that. And uh, so, you know, we started talking. And then, again, I go back to my mentors. I went back to Coach Dean, and I went back to Coach Lynn, and I called my high school coaches, Mark, my high school coach Mark, and my club coach Charlie, and, again, talking about this. And, um, like, I wasn't really ready to move again, but my mentors and my, my friends we're like, you got to do this. And my parents are like, put your degree, put your degree. So went to went, went to Houston and, and joined Ryan. And it did take me five years to finish my master's, but I did it. Um, but it was the coolest experience to join Ryan from the get-go. You know, what, what assistant can say that they joined a head coach from day one, right? Not many. Um, and uh, so being able to be with Ryan um, from those four years, um, was really cool in just the development and what we were able to do. And, um, and then the Cleveland state position opened up and now I'm here. So that's my gypsy story of, of my coaching career. Which I think a lot of coaches have, you know, similar stories. It's, it's, I'm, I'm amazed it, whenever you see coaches just pack up and leave after a year or two yeah. or three, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard role to get into, especially, yeah. you know, you have friends, you build communities, you have families. I mean, it's just, and, mm-hmm. and you're all over the place, but I mean, that yeah. is, it's kind of the name of the game, but yeah. you, you got to go back to where you're from and be a head yeah. coach at, uh, at, 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 in your hometown. How, 
what was it like when, when you finally knew that you were going to be going back to Cleveland as a head coach? It was weird. I'm not going to lie. I never thought I'd come back to Ohio. I just didn't like after being out and about, I was like, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> so when the position opened and I started to learn more about it, I called Wally and I was like, Wally, I'm gonna put my name in the hat. And, uh, cause again, Wally's known me since I was a little girl swimming at Cleveland state as a kid. And just the more I learned about the program and the hit, like just everything I knew, I was like, this is perfect. And it, happens to be in my hometown so when I came in for my interview I hadn't been here in about 10 years so it and even as a kid growing up and having my district major sectionals here I didn't see campus I didn't even know downtown as a human like I just knew it as like you go downtown to go to Cleveland State and so coming back and seeing the campus and seeing the downtown and just how much things have flourished and how amazing it is and um, Harlan Sands, everything from Harlan Sands, our president, to Scott Garrett, our athletic director. I was our I was our athletic director's first hire, and just knowing that I wanted to work here at, at Cleveland State, um, in the vision that Scott has for this athletic department, and to be able to continue the legacy that that Wally and Bob Busby. I mean, there's so much history here that I don't think a lot of people know that about how amazing Cleveland State is and its swimming history. So all of that, and then I get to be home was kind of cool. But Coleman, like, at least in Northeast Ohio, people don't change. Like, it's really weird. Like, you come back, and you're like, well, you dated your high school sweetheart, now you have kids. And, you know, I've been gone for so long, and I've seen the country, and I've seen so much, and I've changed. But then to come back, it's kind of weird. You know, like, that, that's been an adjustment to come back, because it's like being somewhere new and not having friends, but yet I, I, I should. So it's, it's, and then also the family being like, did you work a lot? I'm like, well, no, duh. Didn't you know that? You know, but now that they see it, they're like, what you do is crazy. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep. What we do is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Co- I, yeah. Coaching is a lot. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and I think any coach will tell you that, but I think, you know, it, it, it pays dividends down the road when, when you get to see your swimmers flourish. Um, Mm -hmm. how, how have you, what, what have your initial thoughts been of the team and, and of this Cleveland state program? Um, now, now that you've been there for a while. I, I don't think you hear the word love so much in athletics, but I love it. I love, you know, on my interview, so on, on my lunch, like on the lunch interview, I met some of the team and I walked, I went to the bathroom and I called my mom in the bathroom. Like, oh my gosh, like these kids, like I am made for them and they are made for me. Like this is a perfect fit. Like I just, I, I loved it. I just knew that I was the person to come in, um, in, in, into this program and I love it. I mean, the kids are absolutely amazing. Um, they're funny, they're goofy, they're insightful, they're smart, they're passionate, they're, um, I love them. They make me laugh. They, you know, I even cried at conference and, uh, you know, a good tears and they're just amazing. And being able to have Wally Morton, like as my grandfather coach, basically of this program, um, you know, he is just in the alumni. Like, I don't think you know the, the, the power of the Cleveland state alumni, like Ian Murray down at Dynamo is a Cleveland state alumni. Jason Turcott was a Cleveland State alumni. Bill Dorncott at Ohio State, 
Cleveland State alumni, you know, and just the alumni network that we have, that, that, that people that swam in the 70s, you know, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, you know, all the way through getting on these alumni Zoom calls um, that are, are still, you know, they're bleeding green. And they, they not only give to this program financially, but they give their heart. And they've actually been a part of our team meetings through this quarantine. Um, to talk about, you know, what does it mean, you know, setting goals, talking about teammate expectations and accountability, talking about what does it mean to be a good teammate? What does it mean to be a leader, a good leader and a good follower and tying in what they're doing in their professional world? Like, yes, I got my degree in engineering and now I'm doing this and this is how I got there. And I studied marketing and now I own three tech companies, you know, um, to connect those dots. We had a mental health team meeting and, and one of the guys um, is a clinical psychologist. So I had an alumni do a mental health team meeting with my team because I got kids on the team that want to be psychologists, you know? Um, so I, like, I feel, I mean, it's my dream job. You know, I, I get to be at an amazing university that values engaged learning, that, that values the transformational student experience. I get to have Wally and our amazing, the legacy that Bob Busby and that Wally, and now I get to kind of build upon their shoulders is, is really freaking cool. <laughs> and it's fun. You know, we, I, and, it's my world and everybody gets to live in it. So I, uh, I love it because, you know, what we do, we're not rocket scientists, we're not doctors, but, but sometimes you see this stress and this angst in coaches and I'm like, dude, I want to have fun. Like, I want to enjoy this. Um, we are teachers, we are developing young people, but like, there's a lot of obesity in coaching. There's a lot of heart disease. There's a lot of unhealthiness in coaches and I want to do things different. You know, and, and now as a head coach, I get to coach my assistants too. And, and they are my dream teammates. Like I love my assistants. And so being able to create the environment, like one day, like I texted my assistants and I was like, Hey guys, I'm at target. Like I'm getting school supplies. Like for the office, do you need anything? And my one assistant, Peter texts me like a picture in our, in our group text of a Nerf gun. And I go find the Nerf guns and I got three. And so I told my other assistant, Ben, I'm like, Ben, I got us Nerf guns. We're totally going to stage an attack on Peter, uh, but then he can defend himself. But we didn't know that he had to put them together. And so I, like, stuck my head out, and, that, like, there were a couple guys that I pulled back. I'm like, dude, Bob, you're an engineer. You're going to put stuff together. Come here. Put these <laughs> Nerf guns together for us. And I need a lookout for Peter. And we literally just staged this attack, you know, and it, it, was, it was just fun, you know. Um, so in that sense, it is a dream because like, I'm like, well, let's play. Like, I don't want to do anything right now. Let's go play. And, and we do, you know, so it's, I love it. Like season one has been so much fun. And even through quarantine to be able to, um, lead through quarantine, like I learn from my team every day and, um, we've, we've been doing a really good job getting through this pandemic together as a family. Cause that's, that's really what we are. Um, so I don't even remember what question you started with. I'm sorry. This is what I do. So that's okay. I think you answered it pretty thoroughly. Uh, so, so it is a combined program. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've talked to a few different coaches about the differences of coaching men and women. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you handle that? Do you, do you do separate groups some days? Do, are they combined all the time? You know, I'm, I'm guessing in your coaching experience, you, you worked with a lot of women and a lot of men, um, mm -hmm. you know, 
how, how do you reconcile those differences or, or similarities? Great question. I think um, going back to my teaching roots of, you know, how do you answer a good question? You know, what is the question being asked? I think first it's going back to what is coaching, right? And to me, coaching is teaching. And, you know, in the classroom setting, you never even, you didn't, it didn't, you didn't think about how do I teach a boy and how do I teach a girl, right? It's how do I teach to this content? How do I teach to this learning style, right? How do I teach people? And so at the root, my, my coaching philosophy is I cannot reach you as an athlete until I've reached you as a person first. So I'm very person first in my coaching, um, dealing with, with, with our our kids, because I mean, yes, they're adults, but they're still kids, as, um, as people first, as students, and if we tackle those things, then the swimming takes care of itself, and that's a lot easier. Um, so really, it's more just through the lens of what is coaching, what is your coaching philosophy, um, and then, you know, with, with men and women, talking about, okay, well, what are men and women, right? So if you look at the biology of it, you know there's a physiological difference, right? Whether it's muscularly, aerobically, anaerobically, the VO2 max thresholds that we can have. Um, I mean, and then, you know, biologically, uh, biologically um, we know women develop sooner than men, right? We know that both from our bodies physiologically, but also in maturity, right? But that maturity is also an, an emotional awareness too, right? Um, and so those development stages are different. Um, and, but then you, that's, that's really it. The only difference between men and women is the physiology between how we develop um, and also the chemicals, right? Uh, testosterone and, and estrogen, right? Um, and that's a chemical reaction. And, and literally, if you've ever read the book, um, the hour between the wolf and the dog, it talks, it, it, it's more about business people on Wall Street, but it's, it's the physiological differences as you're shifting from just like a docile state of like being a little puppy dog to being a werewolf and that, that prime level of kind of ramping up for something without losing control. And so that goes back to the, physio the physiology of fight or flight. That's chemical, right? And so what can ramp up a man and get him oh, ready to go can physically shut down a woman, right? Fight or flight. And just because, it, but there's that, that prime, that sweet spot. Um, but just because we can doesn't always mean we should. And, and so for me, as a, as a coach, everything I do is from a strength-based um, kind of perspective. Um, and that I can't put people in boxes, right? Whether it's male or female, that's society, that's gender, that's stereotypes. And, and I blow that stuff, I blow that up, right? Like stereotypes, I just like to blow that up. Um, so we can talk about gender stereotypes. Um, but you know, if you're going to talk to a, any other swim coach that loves just, let's just talk like the swim geek swim coaches, which I can be, but that's not everything. You're not going to train a breaststroke for the same as you would a distance freestyler, that you're not going to sit train the same way as a sprint freestyler versus a short access specialty person or, you know, so we know just from racing that if you're going to set your team up for success in a dual meet setting or a conference meet setting, you've got to get everybody firing on all cylinders for all three individual events and relays. And so if you're going to train people to what they need, you've got to train the person, right? And you're rarely going to train two people exactly the same, even if they have one event that's the same time. And so that's kind of my approach is, um, you know, 
just because, and I don't know, have you ever heard of the book Inside Out Coaching before? I haven't. Huh. So um, it's by Joe Airman. We actually read it in our athletic department in our book club. So we have a book club at our athletic department um, with our faculty athletic rep who teaches sociology. And he played football um, in the NFL. And it basically talks about um, that the, the, the most three dangerous words that you can ever say, be a man. Man up. And he talks about how the coaches that he had, especially in football, coached from fear and anger. And that really it's, it's a social construct and it's this definition of what is masculinity, that anger is okay, but vulnerability is not, right? And so he really talks about um, some of the relationships that he had in his coaching that were really actually abusive and how now, he, you know, it's the inside out coach. You've got to reach the person first. And I, and I love that book, right? I love that book. And I've done, I knew that this question was coming from your email and the, the teacher and me went and did all this research and, and I've done this research, right? Like when I got into coaching, I'm like, what are the successful programs and what make them successful, right? Um, if this team is at the top of the NCAA or their conference, is it a men's program or a women's program? Who are they coached by? Is it combined or is it separate? Well, at that point, you've got, again, I'm a math person. There's so many variables that you can't isolate, right? You know, it's, oh, well, this man can't coach women or, you know, it's about people, right? It's a trickle down effect. And, and the biggest thing is, can you reach them as people first? And the biggest strength that I have in my approach, and, and initially, I remember Arthur telling me this when I was a volunteer, he's like, Hannah, you're a chameleon. Like, you're really good at shifting, right? Like, you found the holes in our staff, and you found a place to be fulfilled, but we don't know who you are as a coach yet. Many years later, guess what? That's still who I am. I'm able to adapt, and I've got all different kinds of personalities on my team. And in building my staff and my dream team, Ben and Peter, we all have the same idea of where we want to go, but how we get there is drastically different. We have three very different personalities, coaching styles, the way that we explain um, technique. I say a thousand words and Ben says one. Um, how, how we handle our athletes different. Like it, it's just amazing. So anything that any kid in our program could need as a person, student or athlete, they can either get from one of us as the person or in our role of our job. And so to go back to answering your question, you know, there's this, I mean, I could go on about just that we live in a male dominated patriarchal society and that's the lens that we view this world right? We are all filtering through this lens, right? Like think about when sports started in the Olympics, right? It was men running long miles and, you know, and, and the development of sport and the development of coaching, which was always men coaching men. Women were the cheerleaders, right? Like my mom, so here's a really cool thing. My mom didn't have me until she was in her forties. And when she went to school, her skirt had to touch the ground when she kneeled. Okay. She had to wear a skirt to school. Okay. She went to a women's only school for nursing. She really only had two choices, be a nurse or be a teacher. Now those are both amazing professions. And obviously one that I went into, she couldn't play sports. And so she says in her next life, she's going to be a basketball star. Like she will, she'll be a basketball star, you know? So just looking at the advancement of where we've gotten, my mom coached my t-ball team. My mom also coached my brother's baseball team, you know? And, um, so I just think, you know, how, how do I, men, men and women, well, look, if you've got a strength, that's going to help someone else, 
right? You're going to pull and push someone along. And if you've got a weakness, someone else is going to push and pull you along. So the best example I can give you, test that day, 3100s on 115, 12200s on two intervals. I, I can't remember if it was like 230 and 240. And then 10 300s on, I think 330 and 345. So I'm down with the 300 group. Are, the, ben, are these all on uh, the same day? These are different oh, groups. Oh, yeah, we have three different groups. Okay, three okay. I was like, is everyone doing all three of those? Okay, no, oh, I get it. I got it. No. Yeah, yeah. But so okay. we had a test set, right? Mm -hmm. And so Peter marches over and he's like, Hannah, I can't handle this. Like, I need you to come and talk. Like, um, the girl, the women are complaining about the send-off, about how it's not there. And he's like, Hannah, I'm a feminist. And I know if I try to approach this, it's going to it's gonna come off wrong. And I go, I got this. It'll come off wrong, but it'll be fine. So I go down, and I didn't have long because I had to get back down to the 300 kids because they'd already started. Mm. And I go, listen, if I hear a woman complain one more time about how this send-off is not fair, I'm like, look, own it, take on the challenge, and let's go. And I just march away. And I'm really thankful that I pushed a button. I pushed a button hard. And one of my ladies came up and said, Hannah, come on. Like, it's not fair. I'm a breaststroker. I'm getting three seconds rest. And so-and-so is getting 13. And I said, okay, what was your heart rate? 26. Okay. You got three seconds rest. 26. Cool. Do you know what the guy's heart rate was that was getting 13 seconds rest? Oh, you don't know? Oh, it was 31. So technically, who was working harder? Oh, but I didn't have time to explain that, right? Like, you are more aerobic naturally. You can go. You were fine with three seconds rest. That guy, whoo, he couldn't know, right? He needed that rest physiologically. But we get to, you know, six 100s off the block. You're going and, you, you know, as a breaststroker, maybe you're holding 106s time and time again, but that same guy that just kicked your butt and had it easier starts off at a time and by the 6-1 has dropped, you know, gained 10 to 15 seconds and it's just done, right? We are physiologically different and that's where, sure, sometimes things don't look fair, but they are. And, you know, what, what is going to help develop you aerobically is, is going to challenge a guy aerobically, right? And in an anaerobic set. So, you know, taking the time to, to talk about that. And then my women captains came in and said, yeah, but the guys are not going to make fun of us and call us babies. And I said, well, then tell them to shut up. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really glad, you know, because the five dysfunctions of team results begin with trust. And I said, I'm so glad that you finally pushed back when I pushed a little bit. Because, you know, if, if you do not speak up, then you have artificial harmony, right? You have to have trust. You have to be able to be vulnerable. You have to be able to call out something. Because if you're not, we're, we're, we're going to have ambiguity. We're not going to have attention to detail. We're not going to hold one another accountable when stuff gets tough. We're never going to get to where we want to go. So I'm so happy that this finally irritated you enough that you, that you spoke up, you know? Um, so it's, it's fun because the first person that cried in my office was a guy. The first man or the first person to cry in my office was a guy, you know, I've got all different kinds of personalities. And so the same thing is, is in developing physiologically, you know, swimmers are going to get better and, you know, by pushing and supporting and pulling and pushing and learning from one another. 
my men, I'm not going to lie, they're living, they're living a much more emotionally rich life right now because they can tap into their emotions in different ways and other than just anger, you know? And so at conference, I had one of my guys like, you know, why have I cried three times? Like, because you have a woman as a head coach and you can. <laughs> but, you know, he was coached by his mother. And when his mom walked in, he realized, I'm a senior. My entire college career is going to be done after this. Oh, my gosh. And he just he cried, you know? And I said, it makes sense. It's okay, you know? And when one of my guys, after, his, after an event, he got, like, 17th place or something, so he didn't make it back to finals. But this guy hadn't had a best time since high school, and he's a senior, and throws his water bottle, and it's a metal water bottle. And I yell, typically, at a I'm like, you will not do that. And then I follow him. And we get to the corner, and he's crying. And I grab him, and I give him a hug, and I turn him so people don't see he's crying. He's like, Hannah, screw you. You made me care about swimming again. And I didn't make it back. It wasn't good enough. And I said, it was good enough. But you're going to have to grieve that you don't get another Hunter backstroke. You're angry. Then you're going to get sad, and you're going to get over it. It's okay. So warm down, do what you got to do. Like, I don't care if you got to go sit in the stands with your parents. That's fine. Like, I'll let you go do that. Do what you got to do because I know you got to grieve this, but your teammates are going to need you tonight and you got another shot tomorrow at that hunter back. But if we don't grieve this and get over it, it's going to carry into tomorrow. And tomorrow, no matter how fast you go, if you make it or don't, it's going to be worth it. Well, he went another best time in the morning and he came over and this time linked arms with me and we watched the board. And he got like the 17th place again. And he just goes, well, guess what that means? I go, you don't have to warm down. He's like, yeah, I don't have to warm down. He's like, but I just had a best time. And, but you know, like that's where it's so much fun because, you know, man up. No, you know, and, and so it's so much fun. Like I, I love this question, but and it's a Pandora's box. Cause I think a lot of coaches either get fixated on, the physiology, right? Um, of we could, you know, and I think sometimes it's simpler. It is simpler if you have a women's only program or you're at like a Texas A&M, right? Where you've got two programs by two different head coaches. It's simpler. You have more variables that you can control physiologically, emotionally, mentally, socially, right? Um, and a lot of those things are either nature or nurture or they're taught. And so for me, this is a Pandora's box because there's so much that you could unpack but for me, I just, I don't put people in boxes. I, I take people for who they are. And I, because I'm a strong person, I have to adapt. And I don't talk to everybody the same, right? Like I got one athlete that I'm like, dude, you just want a 25. Can you go 23? Loves it, chases it. If I said that to one of the other guys, shut him down, right? And I've got women that, you know, men, women, like I've got more needy men than I do women you know, and they project onto the other. Um, but I've got amazing kids, you know? And so like, I knew this question was coming. And I'm like, oh my God, like, Coleman, I could go on for hours about this because we, again, the physiology, the emotion, the, the stereotypes, but I like to just blow stuff up. And so in our program, I coach everybody. Ben, my assistant coaches everybody. Peter coaches everybody. It's organized chaos. We've got umpteen million different groups on any given day. And it just like, there's so much flowing that goes on. Um, and it's fun because literally anybody needs 
whatever they need, they're going to get on any given day, you know? So, but in my program, it's like, dude, you're in the driver's seat. I'm just the backseat driver and the workout plan is Google Maps. And the better we work together on that, we're going to get to where you want to go. But I would like it to be a fun ride, you know? And if we hit a pothole, whatever. We, we hit a pothole and we figure it out. So, yeah. I'm like literally, this is how my brain works. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess to, uh, to wrap things up, you know, we're in, we're in this quarantine now. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you are furloughed for the week. Um, is that right? Um, so, so I mean, what, what's moving forward, you know, what, what's your outlook, um, on your team and, and how you guys are progressing through this. I just saw a team. I'm like, accept uncertainty. Like the more you accept uncertainty, the better you're going to feel like, I don't know what it's going to look like. And information is constantly changing, right? Whether it's from the horizon league, from campus, all these different things. But what I tell everybody, I'm like, look guys, we're a team and we're a family. We're going to get through this. You know, maybe we don't have a season. Sure. We'll mourn it. We'll grieve it. We'll move through it no matter what. Right. It's, but it's not going to be normal. And if you accept that, it's going to be fine. And again, because of my person first approach, I'm like, dude, ride a bike, run, do push-ups. This is the first time you get a physical reset. And I'm really excited about whatever things look like to blow the training back up and be even more creative and meet our athletes where they're at. Like I got one guy, shoot, how much did he deadlift? 315 or 350, I think. Or even more. I can't even remember. He'd be so angry that I don't remember what this was. But he's a a BA. Like, he's just like Hulk. And I told him, I was like, look, dude, I'm excited. You've developed your strength. I'm not going to put you through the same aerobic stuff we did in the fall last year. We need to figure out as a sprinter how we can get your power to truly translate. So I'm I'm excited to do that. Um, And I've got, like, one of my guys, Thomas London, he's, he's an incoming freshman. He's from Nebraska. They haven't shut down. Um, Kenny Thomas, who's one of my freshmen from Mississippi, he's like, oh, I got a meet coming up. I'm like, you have a meet? You know, so I'm just excited to meet them where they're at and move forward. But the biggest thing is, look, we got to make sure that your, you, your mental health is okay, your emotional health is okay, your physical health is okay, and we take care of school. I can get you in any kind of shape when we get back in the water. I'm fine with that. So we're, I'm just trying to make it be fulfilling. So in in 10 years, they look back at this pandemic and say that's the best, worst thing that could have ever, ever happened to our life. And we got through it because of our team. So that's our approach. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.